Enough is never enough. Other boys. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So close. (sighs) Do we want to run it again, or should we just live in failure? Well, we're living in your failure, Cleveland. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) I'll just leave. Uh, It's fine. We're the stuff, and we're here to talk about the stuff. Wait, are are we the boys, or are we the stuff? The line is blurred. Will we ever know? (laughs) All I know is that I'm Matisse Van Rossum. And I'm DeJoka, baby. <laughs> hey, it's relevant. Not to this episode of the show, but that's what the Joker but does. The, the but Joker, to the times we live in. The Joker is an agent of chaos mm. when we're talking about the stuff and not the Joker. <laughs> well, I'm... <laughs> Just to make that clear for everyone listening. <laughs> I'm Chocolate Chip Charlie, also known as Ben Sheets. Chocolate Chip Benny. Yeah, there you go. I am the Stay Stuff Marshmallow Man, Cleveland Mosher. <laughs> After this completely disastrous introduction, uh, which I feel like is suiting for the film that we're going to talk about, we are talking about The Stuff, which is a film from 1985 directed by Larry Cohen, uh, starring Michael Moriarty, Andrea Marcovici, Garrett Morris, and Paul Servino. And it is about a delicious, mysterious goo that oozes from the earth, which is marketed as the newest dessert sensation. But the tasty treat rots more than teeth when zombie-like snackers who only want to consume more of the strange substance at any cost begin infesting the world. That's the IMDb summary. I think it's pretty, it's pretty good. excellent. It's yeah. Well, this was my pick. It uh, was. They were screening a 2k version at the carolina theater and it's one of my personal favorites so i was like we need to go see this and i'm super glad we did before the movie started uh i was talking to you cleave and you hadn't <laughs> yes, seen the movie were. at all you knew nothing about this when we watched zero it. you knew yeah you knew nothing so i asked you what you thought it was about and my response was okay well it's called the stuff i'd seen the poster And it looked pretty spooky with the goo coming out of the face. And I was like, okay, well, it's probably like a thing-like horror uh, from outer space. And you also asked me where it was set. And I said probably like uh, Southern California was was my guess. So like I was actually thinking this was going to be a uh, 50s or 60s film. I wasn't expecting 70s. Uh, 80s. 80s, even. 80s, You're right. Yeah, yeah, very 80s. This yeah. is a very 80s movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, my bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was expecting like an invasion movie. Like, extraterrestrials start yeah. taking over people's bodies with goo or some shit. And uh, I was so pleasantly uh, wrong. Like, so <laughs> I mean, delightfully I mean, wrong. I, I suppose in some ways you were kind of right with like alien forces. I mean, that's about where it stops, know, though. <laughs> infesting people. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I would say that after the movie's over, uh, and this is not even my first time seeing it, I am not any more clear on a lot of the details of the movie than before it starts. Oh, well, that's the thing. It has its, it, it has really a, doesn't matter in this movie. It has a very chaotic sort of logic. It is uh, written and directed by Larry Cohen, who has done uh, a couple of other uh, campy horror classics. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like God Told Me To, which is a, a very fun film. and It's Alive. Uh, and It's Alive, probably his most famous film about a uh, demonic baby. I have not seen the original, but there was a mid-2000s remake 
that I uh, took a girl on a date to see, and it was bad. It the, was a bad movie. The originals and a are bad fun. Date. <laughs> the originals were fun. Uh, I think the third one is like he also did on that one, a yeah. tropical island. Yes. So it's like uh, all Hawaiian vacation themed, but you have a killer baby on the loose. It's fun. If right. I hadn't seen this last film, I wouldn't have been able to pick through that so clearly. But <laughs> right now, I can yeah. thanks to this like this Larry previous Cohen film. Strikes a interesting balance for me between giallo films and trauma films. Oh, it is that's well a great said. Way of putting well it. said. Yeah. It is neither of those things, but clearly referencing both. I had just Giallo on the mind in general because they showed a preview before the film for Demons, Demons. Uh, which had, was released around the same time as this. Yeah, the the whole thing was this is what you would have seen a preview for in the theater if you had gone to see the stuff when it came out, which is cool. I like that the Carolina does that. Yeah, um, but. I know that Demons uh, is a Dario Argento-produced film uh, by another Italian filmmaker. Bava. A different Bava, not Mario Bava. Umberto, I believe. Bava. Umberto Bava, I think, I think you're right. Uh, I think that's their first name. It's uh, Bava Yaga. Ba- <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> okay, that's a pretty good one. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's got a couple of scenes that are completely ADR'd, much like a Giallo film, especially that first scene on the boat when we see, uh, or when we're introduced to our protagonist, Mo Rutherford. Which Mo. is played by Michael Moriarty, who does he's awesome. a pretty excellent job. I think, he's the, I think he's hands down the best actor in the film. Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of the character actors are really great in excellent. this movie as well. I mean, you have... Oh, yeah. Uh, you have bit parts from people like Danny Aiello, who we saw in, like, Jacob's Ladder. We uh, have Garrett... Uh, Garrett Harris, Morris. Yeah, who does uh, Chocolate Chip Charlie, who is a really great He's great, yeah. And uh, the character actor who really steals the show, in my opinion, is Paul Servino. He's fantastic. He comes in very late in the film, but is definitely a dominating presence. But when he does, he comes in strong. For like the last 20 minutes. Yeah, I would say the the character actors are good. Uh, A lot of the other acting in the movie is very bad. Here's the beauty of it, though. There is no middle ground. Yeah, it is. The actors are either so great, they're just delightful, or they are so bad, they're good. I was never once left lukewarm on it. I was always giggling. I think the most egregiously bad actor is the kid. Yes, oh my god. <laughs> but oh, it's, it's, it's good a though. funny, it's good. bad yeah. performance. Yeah, for, it's for not once. an insufferable performance. Uh, one of the f- rare examples of that. It helps because he's such an erratic character. Like, he sees the stuff move in his fridge one time at four o'clock in the morning. And that's and it, enough. And it drives him completely insane. Yeah, and, and in the next scene, we see him destroying a supermarket over it. The whole situation with the boy and his family felt like something out of a Tommy Wiseau film. Like, none of the the parents, the brother, the it, whole, it that whole sequence felt devoid of logic. Whereas, like, the rest of the movie, like, had something like it felt tied together but the dialogue in those sequences was just nonsense 
Like, and the delivery was so stilted, and I loved it. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, loved the, it for it. Anytime from here on out, you hear me, like, describe something as bad, it is by no means a complaint. I love this movie front to back, like, for the good and for the bad. Generally, generally, I agree with you. I think that there is a lot of bad in this movie, but the kind of bad that makes it fun. That yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's sincerely made. I think that the stuff is a really clever idea but the movie is bad definitely good bad very good i will definitely say i will bad. say larry cohen is a clever enough director that i think he elevates the material a little bit yes i agree um, and it and it has a degree of of self-awareness yes it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it's trying to be a good movie but it's also not trying to be a so bad it's good movie yeah right. yeah it, it, it is it knows what it is that it's a kind of cheap hokey dumb movie but it revels in that well yeah and even then, like the production quality it's it's that's what makes me like, think of a trauma film yeah yes. like it's yes. it's hardly even like b level like it's edging into c like you've got like all the product sequences like they're like every scene is at like a very new location uh it, it goes all over the place you've got the big trucks with the stuff logos on it and like the larger crews it's, I mean, it's like C budget. Value. Like, it has value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a, a lot yeah. of it is done trashily to my That's utter delight. Like it has the right stuff, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but it uh, it is a lot of times is handled very poorly. Yeah, well, I to, think... to good to good comedic effect. Particularly, I think the editing is really terrible. Oh, it's oh, it's awful. It's, I love it. It's very fun to watch because of that, though. Uh, like, Black Dynamite does a really good job of imitating that kind of bad yeah, editing. Yeah. Where it, like, it forget It just straight up ignores continuity several times. A character will so go... Jarring. Will go from one position to a completely different position without, like... A transition between those two. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a complete mess. Like but- my my favorite is like the pickup truck towards the end of the film. They park it in like an abandoned field, and then when the the lead actress returns to the pickup truck, we don't get an establishing shot or any explanation for why. We get her opening the door to the truck and like the evil guy popping out like up close, and then it pulls back a little bit to like a mid shot, and we see that the truck is crashed in a ditch. We have no idea how it got <laughs> right. there. Yeah, we don't know yeah, anything yeah. about that we didn't know it was when she was opening the door it there's just no regard for setting the scene like it just cuts and we don't even realize we're in that scene when it starts it wow well the thing <laughs> i think that makes it more forgivable in my opinion is even though the editing is pretty bad and all over the place the pacing of the movie on a larger scale is pretty good, pretty good. Like, oh it's 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 like the movie's drunk and running yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, I, I think, well, we'll do the next thing. Oh, I'll do this. Uh, I think, I think it's all over the goddamn place. Got a little place. bit of that maximum overdrive cocaine energy. Lots, lots of yeah. that. I would say it's the eighties. Yeah. I think. I think also that Larry Cohen is a little bit better of a writer than he is a director. Uh, yeah, yeah. I because I, I I think that that the ideas driving the film are pretty sharp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it is his statement on consumerism, which from filmmakers of that era is nothing new. Like that was the whole point of Dawn of the Dead. But Larry Cohen really intended this as more of a satire. 
entire Six as we in my opinion as we saw before the uh the film he was kind of upset that the film was marketed as like a horror film because he doesn't really consider it that well no. and the production company i think it was universal was upset at him because he didn't make it they wanted a more straight monster movie a traditional monster movie which yeah. would have been awful yeah it would have been awful killer whip dessert like uh, no. you can't make a straight faced horror movie no you have that. to be laughing with well, the and audience that's, and that's for the that thing. to work I'm so glad they didn't do that because I think, honestly, the weakest part of this movie is the monster. Oh, it's the weakest, but it's also my favorite. It's fun, but it has no established logic. It has no rules, really. No, even when we go to see, like, the the giant place where it's being mined, it's just a mindless goo. Sometimes it's a sentient blob-style monster. Sometimes it's, like, brainwashed people. Sometimes it's just whipped cream. And there is no indication it's so formless there yeah. is no indication of when it is any of those things except that the scene at that moment demands it and it makes for a lot of individually very entertaining sequences which ultimately saves the film from being a disaster because it is entertaining to watch but the logic is similarly with the editing it's just not really there <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think conceptually it works better than in practice, like the the details of it. Because I I think uh, what Larry Cohen is saying with some of the anti-consumerist messaging and it is really sharp, especially with all the cut-to-commercial jingles. You'd expect there to be like, one can't get enough of the stuff jingle and then to just play it you know four or five times throughout but no there there are four or five uh, original jingles in this movie about this stuff you and sometimes they're just heard lightly in the background once yeah such an absurd attention to detail or you wouldn't expect it and every one of those jingles is a bop yeah they're great they're fantastic mole rutherford michael moriarty's character kind of sums it up near the beginning of the movie on the boat where someone says you're smarter than you let on or then you look. Yeah, he says, he says, you're not, I think you're not as dumb as you look. And he responds, nobody's as dumb as I look. And I think that's <laughs> a perfect mission statement for this movie. Nice boiler plate. It is, because... and it's perfect, and it perfectly encapsulates him, too, because he's a con man. Like, yeah, his, yeah. His business is corporate sabotage. Mm-hmm. Look stupid as a form of sleight of hand. Right, yeah. exactly. And I think But I have actual like subversive it's, commentary. It's in like yeah. it's in like the second or third scene of the movie, and I think that it's the perfect tone setter because not only is it just a really clever line that like gets a laugh out of everybody, the whole theater laughed when he said yeah. that. Oh yeah. It's my favorite line of the movie for sure. But then it's also like, okay, the rest of this movie is gonna look pretty stupid, but there's more going on than is on yeah, the, is on the, the surface. Eye, yeah. yeah, more than and, meets the and, eye. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, and the whole idea of the stuff being kind of a placeholder for consumerism where enough is never really enough. Right. And people are just literally consumed by the inside from, you know, just not stopping and right. continuing to purchase. Or giving into the cycle. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some clever ideas there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's it's a real blast. Just to put a little cap on the 
perspective, like the kooky characters, I went in expecting a horror movie. And what I got was almost like a Mel Brooks level of comedy. Like the, the characters are really do border on these hyper archetypes. They're, they're just absurdly loud. I, I loved it. Like I, I just adored how weird like everyone, everyone on screen was all of the time. Well, what I, what I really love is that there's no sort of like righteous perspective in this movie. You know, like it's, it's a, a commentary on consumerism, but there's really nobody like shaking a, a, a finger at you the whole time. Like, thank God. Mo, Mo is a fucking con man. He's inherently a sleazy person. He even says, like, they call me Mo because whenever anybody gives me anything, I always want Mo. So even he is a symbol for greed, just like the stuff is. Yeah. And. The love interest, who is thrown in there very abruptly, but uh, Nicole, who's played by Andrea Marcovici, she's like the the lead marketer for the stuff. She is the reason that it has become so big. And, you know, she kind of feels some remorse about that. And then you've got, like, fucking Chocolate Chip Charlie, who's literally only in it as revenge for that company, like, buying up his company and running him out of his whole comedy bit with, like, the bad kung fu is so good. And then then the fucking... His fists are a lethal weapon, as he says. Right. And then fucking Paul Servino, who plays the colonel later, is, like, a totally disgusting, reprehensible, like... He's a... Picture perfect libertarian libertarian, douchebag. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, they talk about him like getting caught with an underage girl and like so prescient. He calls he calls Chocolate Chip Charlie colored man at one <laughs> point and Big threatens yikes. to blow his brains out like yeah. just openly well, racist and that's the thing like it's like these are all of our main characters we we <laughs> saw this in the theater and when that happened like we heard some like worried sounds in the crowd oh yeah multiple times which just like everyone's just like Ooh. yeah yeah yes it's a racist character but of course the libertarian militia man is an awful racist like you don't want him to be a good woke character (laughs) absolutely not and so like the only the only character that you could consider like pure and good in this movie is the kid but he's super fucking annoying and he sucks he sucks ass so there's nobody like preaching at all if he's if he's good he's pretty fucking chaotic good like oh my god going into a grocery store and just destroying everything inside when he fucking smashes the grocery store is great there's no logic to the way that they arrange their products. No, no, it's the stuff like, is in like five different sections of the store. Yeah, it's like in the dairy section, and sometimes refrigerated, just, sometimes, sometimes yeah, not. yeah, in the freezer, and then also just sitting out and just like him running through the store with like a broom, just like screaming, just knocking yeah, a rake, over yeah. Yeah, a rake. That's right, and just like smashing every carton of the stuff. Oh, he can find my my favorite thing. was. And it's it's so quintessentially eighties, you know, because like we we grew up on like those eighties toy ads, and yeah. it, during that sequence, he's smashing everything, and it cuts to two employees like pointing over, and behind them, there's this like perfect pyramid of like stacked yeah. the stuff containers, and it's like, oh, you know, that's going over, <laughs> yeah, and like, like like my 
whole eighties like childhood was just like ready for that like that perfectly stacked thing to get knocked over oh, by the 100%. toy. Like it was great. Well, one of those supermarket attendants was actually a cameo from Eric Bogazian, who's a great character actor who's been in stuff like uh, talk radio and Succession. He's in Uncut Gems coming out in a couple months. Really underrated guy. He has maybe one line in this movie, but it was kind of funny to see him. But yeah, like when he's destroying the the pyramid of stuff or like going down the aisle with like a broom, just knocking all of them over. It's so much fun. And also because like we mentioned before, he only does this because he goes down to the fridge for a midnight snack at the beginning and he sees the stuff moving on its own. That's like the moment in a Lovecraft story when the protagonist like reads some forbidden knowledge and it just like shatters their sanity. Yeah. That's all it takes for this kid because the rest of the movie he is just That's all the evidence he needs. Right. He's just totally manic and hellbent on destroying the stuff. It's, it's like just one more piece of exposition would have been enough, you know, of the stuff. But nope, no, didn't even get that. <laughs> just a uh, just just total hard turn. And and again, the way his family talks, like they don't they don't sound like real people. And to a, to a certain degree, like you could say that well, it's, it's the people angle, who are taken by the stuff body snatch are you know like acting yeah. strange. But yeah. but everyone in this movie, like the, a lot of people, just act poorly. Like regardless yeah. of that, well, but the, I do, the, the family I, I do is the love most it. explicitly like body snatchers, yeah. where the like the idea is they're like mind controlled by the stuff, and they're trying to force right. him to eat it. To join them or whatever. Right, which is one of those things where it's like, is the stuff puppeting them? Are they mind-controlled? What is it? Because multiple times we see the stuff, like, leave people's bodies, and it just leaves behind, like, husks, corpses... Yeah, they it like eats people from the inside. Which is I have those a are some of the cool some of the coolest effects. Yeah, the, yeah, the they're great. I, I have a solution for it, but I'm not saying I would want this in the movie because I think it's better that it's not in there. But a solution would have been to have like during the climactic sequence of him seeing the stuff pit, them alluding to some degree of sentience at that point, and like it vibrates and says something, or you know, like well, a, I mean, a that's, weird that's the confusing like, head pops up from it and does something. And we get we get a, like another thing that it has a plan, but that's the confusing thing because I'm glad it's not there. Big big masses of the stuff straight up do just move on their own and attack people at at certain times. My favorite scene of the movie is the motel scene. That scene's great. Uh, where where they discover that their pillowcases and the mm-hmm. mattress have been filled with the stuff. And it... Out of the blue. How? It why? attacks them in we the middle know. of the night. No, it doesn't make any sense, but it's fucking great. Uh, oh, I love delight. how... It's, it's, it, my favorite, it's my favorite example of, of practical effects in the movie. Yeah. Because the way they have it, like, oh. firing out is they've obviously built... Pivoted the room. It's, uh, Rota- a rotating... It's a Nightmare on Elm Street kind yes. of effect where it's just pushing them into the corner. Of right, the where they've they've clearly built the room. the room to rotate so and fix the camera to well, the floor. Yeah, I don't think so they, they built they it to rotate. I think that they just they no, built they a separate for, set of it on they its They for side. sure built it to rotate because it changed... 
the the stuff changes direction. Yeah. Like at times oh. it is going straight at the wall and then it creeps up to the ceiling. So it's obvious that it is uh, like right. what they did for the the hallway fight scene in Inception, Inception yeah. where which is the the example of that trick that everybody always points to, but it's been but done like a Nightmare on Elm Street that. is a great example of that as well with yeah. her, you know, going to the. The, yeah, being thrown onto the, the ceiling. The ceiling. And stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of my favorite parts of the motel scene is it comes out of their pillow and immediately like grabs onto Moe's face. Yeah, like the like face a hugger. Face hugger yeah. almost. And uh, the response of the girl is to immediately grab oil and set it on fire on his face. Because there's conveniently a, a gas lamp in the in the motel room. Yeah, that's, that's her first instinct yeah. is, is to dump uh, uh, oil all over his face and light it on fire. It works. Uh, Luckily and, for him. <laughs> another confusing thing is in that scene, like the the guy who runs the motel, like comes in to attack them because he's presumably under the control of the stuff. And but then he gets eaten by the stuff. But then he gets eaten by the stuff. They throw him into the big blob of stuff, and it like eats him. So that Which was another. Great. It's great. It's well, it's an awesome effect. Uh, but it was just once again me being like. What's going on here? I like to think <laughs> that, that guy wasn't actually controlled by the stuff, and he was just like the motel guy, and he was just running in to like stop them from well, setting no, the very, room on he fire. Cried, he he tried to attack them when he came in. Well, maybe because like they're setting the room on fire, and like why why are they doing that? And he's trying to get them to stop. <laughs> Poor and then, dude. Yeah, right. It's just mean, a random, it's, it's an innocent bystander trying already, to help. They've already established that everybody in the town is. Oh, the I know, I know, because that's where the factory is. Uh, well, it's funny because I think it was actually before when they're running away from the convenience store, I think, oh, after yeah. that guy, uh, there's a group of them chasing them. And we'd never really seen the effect of the stuff, really, right. until like one of them swings at, uh, I think it was Mo or Chocolate Chip, and... In response, they like counter and hit the the dude in the face, and it just caves his, his whole face, face just in. like crumbles in. Yeah, that's very cool. And a few times we see like people getting shot, and like uh, like the stuff is coming out of their wounds instead of blood, so they're just like full of marshmallow fluff. Yeah, yeah. just like uh, it's very funny. Yeah, like great great squibs. Yeah, the practical effects are delightfully I'm, bad. Uh, also, uh, the really wonderfully unfortunate green screens that's Ooh, the thing those I, are rough uh, they're, it's funny they're because bad the only times i've seen this movie outside of the theater were on a smaller screen you could tell the green screen wasn't great but it wasn't as egregiously really bad, bad as it on the big screen i i didn't remember that from the last Looks time like i saw it the perspective is wrong at times like there's camera shake around the character like it it's pretty bad like in the in in the radio room the um where they the have stuff like, pit where they 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 mat like the giant pool of stuff into the the set the the most like, egregious it's like the camera's like bobbing a little bit and the stuff isn't when the kid is in the truck Oh yeah, and yeah. No, yeah. It just obviously really has ingredients. There's like no reason where, for it too. Just like have yeah. the stuff flowing towards the kid. Right. Like what? Yeah. There's no reason to have a green screen there. It, it's very confusing. Um, but in the in the radio booth, uh, when Mo the stuff is attacking Nicole and and uh, and the kid, Mo is like trying to smash the glass to get into the radio booth, and it's very obvious that. 
the glass is green screen. Mm-hmm. And because he swings again after he well, breaks yeah, it. Well, yeah, he smashes it, and the glass shatters, and then he swings at it again. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of the scene in uh, Jaws 3D when the shark smashes through the green screen glass in slow motion into the underwater station. It looks terrible. Yeah, I'm, well, it's so funny. The, the CG in the radio room is so funny to me because... It's preceded by maybe the best practical effect in the movie with Chocolate Chip Charlie's transformation. Yeah. Like, it's the most visceral practical of him. His head just kind of expanding and getting monstrous. Mm -hmm. And then it's just followed up by some of the worst CG. The Chocolate Chip Charlie stuff, like, the, the, the practical effects even are rough like it's just like so clearly uh, like a, a a shitty puppet like that's getting warped around and it looks so fun i think it looks like, great though. i, I, think I, it looks I great, loved it yeah like, but it, well yeah but it, it doesn't look gnarly real. on like, the inside too. i think i think part of the reason it doesn't look real is because it's lit very brightly yes in something like the thing where you see the whole effects, it. it's always in the shadows <laughs> it's usually obscured by some goo or something. And you I know, think the craftsmanship to that. I think it looks. I think practical. it looks pretty good. I think I it like looks it. pretty good. There, yeah. are, there are a couple of times where we see the stuff like come out of people and their mouth kind of like distends freakishly. That scene is like the 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 biggest example of it. Yeah, but it happens a couple of times. I think that every time that happens, it looks pretty good. Okay, so Especially like the, the first couple of shots with them, like before he gets too distended, like no, they do look they do look quite good. But like after the stuff comes out of them and like his head like twists and contorts like that but it's like paper mache like it i mean i didn't think it looked that bad yeah i don't think it looked that bad it It might just be be a comparison to like the really bad compositing of the green screen stuff Mm, i'm i'm willing to be more forgiving of it because i've been especially by that point in the movie i've been bombarded by some really really bad compositing oh yeah and and don't get me wrong it was getting laughs out of me like i loved it it's a fun creature effect regardless uh well especially compared to like a lot of b-movies of this era there's so much more craftsmanship to something like that than oh god you know, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I applaud it yeah, yeah overall, I mean, the movie clearly had some budget it's mm-hmm. the editing is really just the, it's nightmarish and the it's audio bad, just yeah. like drops out like the audio quality like just drops out occasionally yeah. all the adr is just yeah there's a fun. lot of adr that is because uh, most of really the time it syncs up somewhat well but there's sometimes where it just and does not and there's plenty mm-hmm. of scenes where they are using on set audio yeah 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 but like i'm sure the one the the reason they did the whole scene on the boat is because it's probably windy as well fuck. i think i think and they, that's better than in, in the middle of, of a scene, the, they they were transitioning between on set and then like post audio, like at times. On like the there boat? Was, no, not on oh, the boat, oh, but no, like okay, yeah, throughout the film, like they're they're just like just in the middle of a scene, like you'd hear like the the background noise change, like yeah. in between a piece of a lot of it during doing act, during action scenes too. Yeah. You know? Speaking of the action, I I love you already mentioned it a little bit, Ben, but the fight with. Uh, Mo and Chocolate Chip Charlie against the 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 stuffies, yeah, uh, in the in the little great. rundown Virginia town. Chocolate it's, Chip Charlie, especially, he's so fun. He, I wish he was in more of the movie. Yes, yes, Agreed. he he goes to Washington D.C. for basically no reason. Yes, and then just comes back after achieving nothing. <laughs> 
We did see that uh, in in the the pre credits for the movie that the the theater put out that Larry Cohen wanted Arsenio Hall for that role originally. Yeah, and it would be young Arsenio yeah, yeah, before yeah. he was big and everything. Well, yeah, that, the reason they didn't is because they wanted somebody more recognizable, so they went with Garrett Morris, but I would I would argue from a modern perspective, and maybe I'm just uneducated, but I would recognize Arsenio Hall much quicker than I would recognize oh, Garrett Morris. especially nowadays, yeah. Right? So I, I do think that that's funny, and I mean, also in 2019, like, what is Arsenio Hall doing? He's at this point, he's like a D-list celeb. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they tried to revive his uh, talk show for like a couple months. Didn't go well. Damn, Arsenio, you gotta figure out how to stay relevant. You can't just yeah go the Montana. I think he was on the Celebrity Apprentice back when <laughs> Trump was doing it. That says all that needs to be said. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, so did um, Dennis Rodman, and now he's like boys with Kim Jong Un. That's like his thing now. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird world. <laughs> One thing we mentioned after the movie that I wanted to dissect a little bit is you mentioned Cleve yes. how like this movie would be a perfect movie to be remade. It's ripe for it. And my... For once, I agree. Uh, yeah, and it's it's not a, a, an opinion I, I ever have. I, I'm generally not one for the soft reboot, and I'm as tired of Remember This remakes as everyone else. But for this specific film, the, the message is just as relevant, and Maybe the, more the so. style of the movie is so in vogue right now. I don't want to get into this point more, too, so it's a nice segue. Um, the marketing of the stuff within the movie is so delicious. Like, it's so quintessentially 80s. Like, all all of the ads have, like, 80s models, with, like, wearing bikinis with, like, the, the fur coats, and the, the stuff logo has that nice, like, like you, 60s pop art style to it, and the music the is all, like, sexually has like, yeah and like the yeah, the music that. is like very like electronica like influenced pop and it's just it's so just dripping and gooey with like eight the 80s aesthetic that i just wanted to hear like new retro wave like mixes of the pop songs and god i could just see the whole thing oh i want it what's, i, I want what's it so, so bad funny about it to me is well i definitely agree with that i think the the color palette of the the stuff packaging is so so gross with the purple and purple, pink, and, pink brown. and brown. Yeah, like it's so gross, but so eighties. Oh yeah, that it just it's, it's spot it's, on for what they're going so for. It's so delightfully seventies, eighties like pop art. Yeah, and, um, mm, God, it's yeah. Good. No, they they go so sexual with it. With like the the first jingle we hear is like one lick is never enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the stuff. But you make a good point with like how much they pull from like commercials at that time they even had a cameo from the where's the beef lady yeah at one point you're right i yeah. missed that holy shit yeah, where's the, the only... stuff wow yeah. that's on point yeah, yeah. that's really good and then uh, oh yeah that oh, yeah um the escalation too of the jingles how it starts with like one lick or whatever and then like later on there's a whole nother pop song where it's just enough is never enough <laughs> and just like yeah this is yeah. beautiful like like invader zim level of blatant ham-fisted commentary i loved it i just i just loved it on that subject, they did show a uh, a preview for the 
they live before this movie. Which I think uh, pairs really well I with think it the does ideas well. of yeah, this they're, movie. They're going to be showing that at the Carolina pretty soon, and I would love to go see that one. I still yeah. have it. We'll definitely do They Live on this podcast yes. at some point. Yes. But, uh, yeah, like I was saying during that ad, it's like Carpenter and Kurosawa are like two directors I really need to catch up on. It's it's very much in the same vein with like the, the just anti-consumerism. Like anti-consumerism, but also just very heavy-handed and in your face about it obey consume yeah we'll talk about that on a on a upcoming episode yes at some absolutely point. uh but I, I i agree and my question for you guys uh since y'all brought up uh the possibility of remaking this and i think it's it's not a bad idea generally i'm opposed to remakes but i think that the stuff while it is a very fun cult classic i don't consider it sacred in the ways that a lot of... No, because like, it doesn't consider favorite, itself sacred, well, and, and that's a lot the beauty. Of my the, favorite horror movies are that I wouldn't be like, no, how dare you try to remake the stuff. You know, I think that if it was handled correctly, it would be good. And so my sort of two-pronged question for you guys is, would you want it to adhere to the 80s aesthetic or modernize it? And what in general would you want out of a stuff remake? Here's my bit. I think that you do a new retro wavy like near future thing where you just don't even acknowledge chronology. Uh, sci-fi no 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 no. near future so like kind of like what it follows did you just like the girl has like a weird pocket (laughs) okay sure you you just you throw in little things like that but you also throw in like 80s you like station wagons and things so you never really know and that's and no one gives a shit and that's that's part of the fun another reason too is not only is the the aesthetic in in vogue but the genre is incredibly in vogue horror comedy is is at a height right now you know these days satire is almost more powerful than ever so i think the the time for something like this is is prime because you, it is satirizing consumer culture and you're you're bringing up it follows uh i i think is is good because what was great about it follows it evokes the 80s in the style of the filmmaking yes. and not the aesthetic yes there are certain things about it that are like a little bit 80s nostalgic but it feels like an 80s film because it is shot like an 80s film and paced like an 80s yes. film and i think for the stuff that would be the ideal way to do it i would shy away from a heavy-handed 80s aesthetic because Stranger Things. Yes. yes. It's yes. tired. It's tired. It's, well, well, it I would, I would tired even play and... that up in the advertising of the stuff. Utilize that as commentary on how tired the the new retro wave like aesthetic is getting. And, I, and play it up in yeah, the advertising in the film yeah. of the stuff. And just be them like hitting it hard and it that being almost obnoxious to the main characters. The advertising encompasses that 80s aesthetic. Yeah, and it's going yeah. for, like, a Strangers thing, and like, like to the point of outrageous parody, so you get, like, the Stranger Things intro with the stuff oh, font. Like, that's yeah, what I'm, okay. I'm thinking, like, yeah. like I'm hand-fisted, that, like, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da stuff, <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm into that. I've been racking my brain to think... Who would be a good director for a stuff remake this whole time? Let's do it ourselves, boys. I I I could see Let's start a Patreon. Let's let's make a Kickstarter. I mean It's I, that easy, right? I, I think it's easy to say James Gunn could do a pretty decent job. Yeah, we haven't really talked about I, him that much. Maybe on this show, maybe but. Eli Roth. Um Oh yeah. Honestly, uh I, I would y- y'all might disagree, but I'd I I'd put Eli in Roth, for actually. uh like a Joss Whedon. 
honestly. Like Cabin in the Woods Ooh. kind of stuff, you know? Well, Joss Whedon like, didn't direct Cabin That's right. He wrote movies. and produced it, though, right? Didn't I don't think he wrote it. I think he just produced it. He only produced it? it? Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. So his name was all over it. The, uh, so I just I, because, yeah, because that's how you get people to a movie. Yeah, well, shit. Throw I, a recognizable uh, name I succumbed it. to that, uh, that I tactic. I remember who directed. The guy who directed Bad Times at the El Royale directed Cabin right, in the Woods. Right, yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name. Drew Goddard. Drew Goddard, Cabin yeah. Cabin in the Woods, yeah. No, I um, Drew Goddard could be good, I think. Yeah, man, like I think Eli Roth in his heyday would have been great for this. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know I don't know about Eli present day Eli Roth. Man, I even know you'd cast like Alan Tudyk as the main character. Like that'd be perfect. Like You know who would be great? Who would be great is have getting Neville Dean and Taylor to do it. Oh, After dude, Mom that and would Dad a couple awesome. years ago. Like Neville Dean and Taylor would do great. Yeah. Here's my really wild card one who I think would actually do it really well. Harmony Corinne. Oh, yes. yeah, I can see that too. Harmony, I want that. Harmony oh, Corinne, it's, it's Harmony Corinne doing a satirical horror film would be so good. It's such a weird concept too that I could see him doing oh, something like that. Oh God, would, yes. I think he would do it really well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Harmony Corinne would kill it. Oh yeah, and you just get like a like a weird like A list celebrity to to play. The, oh, it'd be perfect. Yeah. Oh, I could see the whole thing working in a Harmony Corinne format. Like, yeah. would be exquisite. I love it. I love this idea. Because it's weird enough that, like, you could get away with the more surreal uh, aspects of Harmony Curran's style, and it wouldn't feel out of place. He does the nostalgia aesthetic pretty damn well, while it's still feeling modern, and he's a yeah, fucking... Spring Breakers, man. Great character director. Yeah. He's a great character director. I think, yeah. I think that's the one. I think that's the one. It's, yeah. it's an interesting pick. I don't think it would ever, ever happen. No, but we can dream. We can dream. <laughs> like, yeah, that would be amazing. All right, sign our petition if you want uh, Harmony Corinne to direct uh, a, a stuff remake. <laughs> We need probably what, like twenty million dollars? Two percent of our it'll be easy, guys. Patreon earnings will go yeah. towards the Harmony Corinne the Harmony stuff. That's right. Do y'all have anything else, or is it time to rate? Oh, I think I think we've about we've about covered all the bases. Yeah, I really don't have much more to say. All right, Ben. Well, this was your pick, so you start. Well, this is a movie that has plenty of flaws. It's not a perfect movie by any means, but it is near perfect for me. It's it's super fun. I love its corniness and directness in its themes at times. It's it's a perfect example of a B movie that's elevated to something better than just a B movie in my opinion. Larry Cohen's great. Um if you haven't seen any of his other stuff, check out it's alive and i watched a movie a couple weeks ago called bone by him as well it's like a home invasion movie meets uh who's afraid of virginia wolf uh Feared. yeah uh starring I, yafet kato oh um, i would also recommend uh god told me to and yes, i think that's yeah. a pretty fun film as well. um but yeah he has a lot of great work under his belt super under recognized director this is one of my favorite of his it's super fun I would definitely recommend seeing it if you have the chance. I'm going to give it a four and a half. Cleveland. Um, when this movie is is on, it's great. When it's off, it's great. It was more rare for me to not be chuckling while this movie was on. Consistently giggling. Like, it was just like two hours of me just <laughs> in my chair. Like, nonstop. I had so much fun watching this movie, guys. Five stars. Like, I loved the shit wow, out of this right. film. Like... 
easy. It's an easy five for me. I, I, I adore this movie and would, would gladly see it again. No complaints. When it's bad, it's delightful. When it's good, it's delightful. Yeah, it, it is a delightful film. Uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, a pretty bad movie in a lot of ways. Oh, but yeah, it's the worst. But bad in ways that I really enjoy. Like I said, it's not sacred for me, but it's, it's a, it's a damn good time. I'm gonna give it a four out of five, uh, which will give us an average of four and a half out of five pods for the stuff. Next week, we're jumping back to present day. And we will be finally talking about one of our collectively most anticipated films of the present year. day in release, but not Ooh, in location. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, the Lighthouse is coming out finally. The yes! sophomore film yes! of uh, Robert Eggers, director of The Witch, one of our favorite films on the show. And uh, goddamn, we've all been waiting for this movie uh, forever. A year. And it's finally time. It's I'm finally so happening. Ready. So next week, tune back in with us to hear our discussion of The Lighthouse. Quick uh, housekeeping. Uh, we finally have results on Three from Hell. Oh, um, yes. I finally saw time. a trailer for Three from Hell. Yeah, Still haven't. Oddly enough. Um, I, it's actually been getting surprisingly good reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's we'll definitely need to get around to it at some place. point, um, especially considering that Sid Haig just died. I don't know if we yeah. mentioned that on the show. R.I.P. R.I.P. The fucking mm-hmm. legend. Um, the only box office release was for like the one week of Fathom events that it did. Yeah. Um, but it did... 1.8 million in that time way lower than any of us would guess so mostly re- because it was in like only a handful of theaters um i think it's already on video on demand yeah. as well um but cleave you won that with hey you guessed, you guessed four million does that put us back in a tie yes it does oh yes you, well oh. you and you and Tease, yeah. yeah and then you're Seven. one ahead right and then oh, uh awesome. in terms of rotten tomato score um, it is currently sitting at 45. 45. And oh, wow, that's surprising. I've actually I heard good things. 46. Oh, my so God. I got that one again. So it's 7 to 7 to 11. Oh, my God. He's well, four ahead of well, us. Oh, my God. Wait, really? Four? Yeah, I'm four ahead. And we have... Two more movies confirmed to come out this year. Oh, so it looks so, like you've, you've cemented your your. No, no, whole... no, two movies, which means four points. Oh, you're yeah. right. So there is a small, there's a, cha- a small there's chance. A chance. There's a small, small chance, um, but it's not looking so not so looking good. Um, I'll be somewhat merciful and at least pick fun movies I, if I win. I just love that uh, I am still the person who knows the least, if not nothing, about Three from Hell. And I what? <laughs> yeah, you guessed the, the lowest have, box office. I have no idea about this movie. I couldn't tell you anything about it right now. I know I, you've talked about it, you and know, you've explained you know it to me. You know the Devil's Rejects, right? I uh, have heard the name. Okay. I know literally nothing, boys. Go back and listen to our Rob Hooray. Zombie episode before you were on the show, and that'll tell you everything you need to know about our thoughts on the rest of that trilogy. Yeah, we'll get around to Three from Hell at some point i definitely want to see it i i'm kind of surprised it's that low on rotten tomatoes because i've actually heard some pretty good reviews yeah i guess we'll see well yeah and the next two movies we predicted are coming out next weekend oh shit Uh, zombie land double tap and the lighthouse We probably won't have results until the week after the lighthouse episode i um but we'll know 
when we predicted Zombieland 2, I was very on the fence about whether I wanted to cover it because I like the first Zombieland. After seeing the trailers for this new one, I don't want to watch this one, boys. It looks I really bad. I don't really want to watch it we'll, either, We'll cover honestly. the results, but I, I don't want to see that movie. It looks really fucking terrible. I'm open to it, but... I would, theaters. I would rather just watch and talk about the original than going to see the fucking new <laughs> one. It looks so terrible. But anyway, so yeah, holy shit, our predictions are coming to an end somewhat early this year. Quite so we'll, soon, yeah. We'll be able to uh, have early results on that within the next couple I think couple there weeks. were two movies that didn't end up coming out this year. So The Grudge remake. Once again. Two years in a row. It is confirmed to come out. In January uh, of next year. Honestly, um, for that one, I would say since it is coming out in January, so they say, I think our predictions should just carry over. Yeah, um, I was going to just keep it for next yeah. year. Um, and then New Mutants, which in the same respect, it's confirmed oh, for right. next year. I completely forgot about it. Well, me. that movie was originally supposed to come out last year. and yeah, There were and, trailers for it last yeah, year. Yeah. What happened? what yeah and that one's scheduled to come out in like summer next year so i'm just gonna carry that one over as well perfect uh it's coming to an end quick and we have a whole host of predictions for next year coming out very soon if you're wondering what happened with new mutants i don't know for sure but i'm gonna guess it's probably the same sort of developmental issues that like venom and deadpool hit almost certainly if they push it back that long that 100 percent means means reshoots yeah they're for sure yeah because the movie was done it was done yeah like they they were putting out trailers for it i remember when those were circulating and then they just it just disappeared Ooh, sounds like we got a marvel suicide squad on our hands boys the yeah the reshoots makes me nervous oh man because like the trailer i thought like it could be fun like marvel horror like i'm i'm into the i you know the idea in theory on paper but if we look at other recent movies that have had like major reshoots like remaking like 90 percent of the film also disney properties like like solo solo exactly (sighs) (laughs) venom got a hard a hard recut uh that was that wasn't disney though that was sony that's right Um, you know i don't have high hopes for any movie that they send back into production for that long it's rarely for the better uh, but I guess we'll find out eventually. Yeah, and it's it's such a trend too. Like, uh, but mostly it's been a trend with DC films, like like recontextualizing the movie after it's shot for marketing reasons. Like, um, for instance, like the Justice League movie, how yeah. they they like recolored the film and tried to make it more like joss whedon marvel and more like sack well that's just because Zack snyder is a dumb hack who thinks entertainment is just making three hour gray boring movies that's a pretty no, hot take ben you're gonna Ooh, offend yeah. i don't think that is four a hot, whole people uh, yeah, with i it. don't think that's a very hot take <laughs> um uh i agree with you 100 percent. but those four people could be our listeners i mean next year we're getting a Zack snyder horror movie at well, least that's best, like relevant his to his best style. Movie is the Dawn of the Dead? Remake, oh, absolutely, so, no doubt. You know, maybe that's maybe that like that's where his, his niche uh, over a decade. Yeah, uh, maybe that's where his we'll niche see. lies. But uh, yeah, he's going back to the pool of zombies, right? Um, you know, because so. it's easy. Who doesn't love a good zombie flick? Am I right, boys? Oh yeah, <laughs> that sure is still relevant. <clears throat> well, on the mm-hmm. subject of mindless consumerism, we got to get our paycheck too. 
I think it's time to go to the sponsor shelf and uh, check out our sponsor for the day. Cleveland? Yeah. Who's giving us money this week? Well, so um, after bowing and kowtowing a little before the the sponsor shelf, I I had to make another trip, uh, actually, and that was uh, to the fridge to to get our product. That's a pretty short trip. uh, This time, our our product um, is uh, sometimes contained in fridges. It's called Gogurth. <laughs> it's it is it's it's a yogurt, but it's it's for for uh, uh, the 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 big and tall. Um, are you on the run, but you need a little extra fun, and a Gogurt tube isn't enough? Check out Gogurth. It's like a Gogurt tube, but bit but wider. Because everyone knows it's all about the circumference and not the length of the tube. Gogurth, enjoy a nice splattering of uh, our tasty beverage all over your face. <laughs> there isn't really a beverage, but whatever, it's in the script. Uh, uh, Gogurth, I'm not saying it again. Thanks, everybody, for listening to our episode on The Stuff by Gogurth. Oh, shit. It was me. It's okay. You can say it as many times as you want, but okay. I'm contractually obligated to only say it so many times. I I don't want to take any unnecessary risks. I don't want to invoke any eldritch energies from saying it too many times. So uh, buy that product. After you buy that product, then traipse on down to Apple Podcasts and where but you have to traipse. You have to traipse. You cannot walk. You cannot run. You must traipse. Traipse, uh, a sachet is also acceptable. At times, but it has to be during the harvest cycle. But once you get down there, look for the stars. There should be five of them. Make sure that you smash all five. No more, no less. No less. And while you're there... Carve in some inconceivable runes a review of our show. Where you carve them, that's up to you. On Apple Podcasts. Or your flesh. You know, I'm not going to stop them. You know, what flesh-based advertising, I mean, that's... That's a that's a free market right now. Well, man. whatever you write on Apple Podcasts is inexplicably carved into your flesh. Yeah, it happens you as you write I, it. Yeah, I will put it on the record that we'll give fifty percent of our sponsor shelf earnings to anyone who gets a Pod People tattoo on their forehead. And we are the highest paid podcast in the world. It it is objectively true. Yes. Yep. Everyone knows this fact. And what they also know is that we're hiding it all from the IRS. Yep. The pod people committed to committing <laughs> tax fraud. Yep. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod or on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash podpeoplepod where you can find the entire list of all of the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and the links to those episodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome, where I'm not committing tax fraud. Hey, if it worked for Al Capone. Yeah, he turned out all right. Yeah, he was fine. To this day. He's been cemented in history. Where can they find you, boys? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. 
Uh, I'm occasionally uh, tweeting uh, Al Capone propaganda uh, via LightArch Studios and uh, and uh, rarely uh, tweeting for It Stares Back. That's because I don't need to. Go on, check it out yourself on Steam. Uh, it's more mysterious when you don't tweet about it. That's right. It. That's how that works. And it's not that I'm busy and I, uh, I have a life. But yeah, no, um, we're also uh, occasionally out on Reddit doing AMAs and shit and doing little posts there. We're all over the place. But the point is, we have a growing following and people are starting to give a shit and it's great. Uh, join our discord yeah be one of those people join in on the the spooky fun and uh use your army to conquer across the great tapestry yeah do the thing follow that twitter account find the game on steam join our discord at lightarkstudio.com you know all of those good things i think that's the last of it that's the last of our duties so i'm gonna go unwind with a big old bowl of the taste it would be a waste If you didn't eat the The taste. taste.